Hello and welcome to Football Anya. It's time for a preview of Turkey versus the Netherlands. We're back to preview the Netherlands' upcoming games. Uh, we've got the under-21s Euros coming up and we've got a bit of the Eredivisie to throw in there as well. Thank you so much for all your questions that you sent in. I feel like it's going to be a very busy podcast, so we just need to get right into it. If you're watching us on YouTube, then we're going to be um, doing this live today and you can, of course, see us. If you're watching it back, uh, you'll be able to see our faces. You, you can also listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes as usual. With all of this coming up for the Netherlands, with the Euros coming up, we have still got some of our merchandise to sell. We've got some football down your wristbands and you can find a link to how to get this. Either It's either pinned to our Twitter profile or you can go onto uh, this, the, the description on YouTube and you can find a link to click to how to get your own football down your wristband. It helps support what we do at Football Annual. We've got many exciting things coming up in the coming months. It funds the good things that we do. Um, and I'm wearing one myself right now today. Why not? It's got the Netherlands line on and it's got its own QR code to our website. Now, I think that's enough for me talking. We've got Mike here, who's a Football Annual founder and, of course, the Netherlands expert. It's, it's exciting again to be talking about, about the Netherlands. It's been so, so long. Mike and the squad that came in was was so underwhelming. Again, we we know that the problems with squad selection, Frank de Boer, but it just persists time and time again. What are your first thoughts on that squad going into these three World Cup qualifying games? My first thought when I saw it was, um, oh, well, he's just done what I expected him to do. Like, I didn't expect anything better, and that's just yeah, come to um. You hope for something better, but you don't get it because you know he's going to make those choices. Um, then going through Twitter, you see all the expected responses, and I wrote an article about it. Just the fact that it's the same players again and again and again and again, even though if they're not playing, they're not playing well, they're stagnating, they're still selected for the national team, which is just baffling because you know this is a Dutch national team. It should be the pinnacle of Dutch football, and if you're playing well, you're the best Dutch centre forward, for example, you should be in the Dutch Netherlands squad. Um, and I'm just a bit baffled by the importance of the under 21 Euros, how that's been made by the KNVB um, to leave out somebody like Coop Miners to go and captain Netherlands there um, instead of being in a national team. Because for me, I think that they're underestimating these games that are coming up. You know, Latvian. Gibraltar, like, there are two wins. Like, we're not going to lose or draw those games. That's just two wins in the bag. But Turkey away, for me, is the most important qualifier out of them all. It's the first one. It's away against probably the toughest opponent. So if you win that game, you're setting yourself up to basically head to, head to the World Cup because you're going through your most difficult tie first. You know, it was only a few years ago that Netherlands played Turkey in the qualifiers and got beat by them and got hammered by them in Turkey, actually. So you can't underestimate them. And they've had a decent um, qualification recently as well. They beat France, I think, home and away. Um, or they drew away, I think. Um, so this is a Turkey team that can't be underestimated. And then De Boer comes out picking a squad to live what he has with Babel, um, Luke de Jong, these players who they're not scoring goals, they're not playing, they're not playing well. Um, then they leave out somebody like Valt Weghorst, who's 17 He's goals. the biggest miss, isn't he? He's the yeah. one that people have been pointing out the most. And, yeah, and 17. Baffling how he's missing. It truly is. 17 goals in um, the Bundesliga this season is is incredible for any striker. Um, and to let Owen be at 
a dodge striker when the Netherlands is lacking forwards and not to get selected is it's insane. Um, and we're going to see what De Boer has to say about it. I think he'll probably give a press conference tomorrow or in the next couple of days. I can, I can already, already know what he's going to say. He's going to say, I'm going with the same players I went with for that no ahead of a tournament and we're trying to stick with the same squad, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then he doesn't feel um, bad about bringing in um, St. Justa, who's playing at Mainz, who are, as far as I'm aware, in the relegation zone in the Bundesliga. Um, and then you've got somebody like Gravenberg coming in to make his debut um, when he could be playing in the under-21s and you could have Kutminers in his squad. So, yeah, it's just baffling decision after baffling decision. The best players don't get selected for the national team. It's the ones that the poor knows. Um, and if you're a name, you're in the squad. If you're playing well and he doesn't really know you, you're not getting in, basically. That's- yeah, there's also a bit of a link with... The, the fact that Vechor's play for RZ and Coke Miners play for RZ now, is it anything to do with the fact they didn't play for a top three club, Ajax Pierce with Feyenoord? The Florida baseball man put in a question about Vechor and said, well, is it a personal problem? Because there's no, there's, there's surely no reason, there's no footballing reason why Vechor is being missed out. But then playing for Wolfsburg and scoring so many goals in the Bundesliga, that, that rates you high, more highly than playing for a top three Eredivisie club in any case. Yeah, if it is something that is personal, I don't know what it could be because De Boer's not worked with him yet um, because he's not been in any of his squads so far. So it's three squads where he's not been in. Unless he's been told when the last time that he was in a squad that he was acting up or people didn't like him. But then what's, what's the problem with that? You know, he's, he's scoring goals. You just get on with it. It's not all about everyone getting on in the camp and everyone um, you know, being cautious around each other. You, you bring in people to fire everyone up and if Vekor's got a chance, he came in, he was... He's looking to, to put himself about, and that's good because that makes everyone else be alert. If Luke de Jong got dropped after being in the squad for so long, then maybe he'd start trying a bit harder to get into that Sevilla squad and start scoring some goals. It just it makes no sense for these players to just know that they're going to get called up. What was the point of playing well if you're just going to get called up anyway? You know, if Ryan Babel sits on the bench every week for Galatasaray, oh, well, at least I'm going to be in the Netherlands squad because... Brand of likes me and I'm good in the dressing room. It's 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 crazy to me. Well, uh, one player that was missing actually from that that reasoning from before, Kevin Sturman, he's actually not in the squad this time, which is which is good. <laughs> it's a step forward, but it's it shows Frank the Bird's arrogance. The fact that we still got the likes of Babel in the squad, we haven't got a horse in the squad for some reason. He still thinks he's right to stick with the same players, and uh, we had a couple of questions about who you would select against Turkey. It, it, hopefully, Babel is just there for for being around the squad and being and being an, a nice fellow and what have you. <laughs> and he doesn't actually get on the pitch because there's a really important game against Turkey. And Vlad Alexov was wondering who our front three would would be against Turkey. Uh, and I think if you ask me, I, I'd choose pace. I'd choose pe- people that are going to be in form. I want Daniel Marlin to start, but no, he probably won't. He won't. Um, and you've also got Memphis, who I think needs to start as well. That's obvious. Um, you got the likes of Calvin Stengs, who who has has had a few bad games, but just before coming into the squad, had a few really really good games. So he's looking like he might have a chance of getting some time on the pitch. Who would your front three be, Mike? I agree with you that I'd love to see it be in Stengs, Malin, and Memphis through the middle, but I can't see it being that. Um, if we're going with 
what I want, I would pick that as well. But what I think we're going to get would be Memphis for the middle, um, Berghaus on the right wing, and then Bergwijn on the left. Um, that's what I think he'll pick, um, judged on past and just the fact that he likes Bergwijn and he likes, he likes Berghaus, which is not too bad because he's in decent form. Um, but yeah, I think he'll go for, for them because they're more experienced, whereas yeah. I think he'll yeah. stick with Malin as maybe a, a second-half substitute. We've also had a question about the lineup in general. I mean, we don't want to go through the whole thing and, and choose who's going to play because it's most likely it would be the same as, as always. The The biggest decision will be whether uh, Blint is going to be playing next to Delict at centre-back or whether it will be another choice. Um, do you think that, that, that Vindal's got a chance of starting at left-back or do you think that it's going to be something like a very predictable Joel Veltman, who, to be fair to him, has been playing really well for Brighton? Albeit at fullback. Yeah. Um, what we, if I had to predict it right now, I'd say that the back four will be Blind on the left, Feltman and Delict in the middle, and then Dumfries on the right. Um, yeah. Again, I hope I'm wrong because that's not the one I want to see. I mean, Bindal had a great game today against PSV, um, so I'd like to see him going um, on the left, but um, I don't think it'll happen. And Nathan Ake. He should be playing on the left-hand side of the defence, but he's not really playing again for Manchester City. It depends what his fitness is. If he's not 100%, then he might just start on the bench. I'd like to see Ake and Delict in the middle because Ake is also a threat from set pieces. Um, he's got a few from the pass from the Netherlands, so he's good in the air. So I think that one would work going forward. But yeah, I think that we'll, we'll probably see Veltman and, and Blind in that defence. Two two guys who aren't the tallest. And uh, if you've got Cenk Tosin playing for Turkey, I don't know if he's fit or not. Um, you know, it's an Netherlands preview podcast, but he's the kind of guy I don't think Feltman and Blit would want to face. We've got um, Van Dyke missing, of course. I don't I don't think he's going to make it to the Euros. But we had a question from Luke on Twitter saying that if if Van Dyke is fit, will the Euros be a success? I think it's tricky to say because if he's coming back to fit, it's just in time for the tournament. I don't think he's going to be ready for it. And I think that they just need to get used to not having him now. And I appreciate that Delict is also a very good centre-back and there has to be a partner for Delict. And it's such a shame that Stefan de Vlaai is not fit for these these qualifiers because he could have warmed up next to Delict and had those three games next to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a shame because he would be the automatic replacement for Van Dijk. Um, what I think is weird is that I think Van Dijk's now been out for too long that people seem to forget how good he is because when... I tweeted out the news that he was probably not going to play at the tournament. And there was a lot of comments saying, no, it's fine. We've got De Vrij, we've got other centre-back options. These centre-back options aren't Van Dijk. These aren't the best centre-back in the world. Mm. You've got no idea when he plays how calm that defence is and, and how good he is on the ball, that he's the best mm. in the world. And to miss that for the Netherlands is huge. I mean, he's been huge for them for the past few years. Um Think about how many goals he scored. A late goal against Germany, for instance, when he, he goes up there towards the end and gets that header in. Um, you can't replace him. It doesn't matter who it is, if it's De Vrij or De Ligt. They're not Van Dijk. So it's going to be a blow if he misses it. If It's going to be a blow if he, he turns up and he's only half fit. But you've got to give him that chance. You've got to wait and see if he can get back. And um, I do believe that some of the press were saying it's mind games from, from Jurgen Klopp. And there is probably some truth to that because... Klopp doesn't want him to go to Euros because he doesn't care about the Netherlands. He doesn't want him to play for the Netherlands at Euros. He doesn't want him there. So he's got to say, like, oh, it's, it's not going to happen. But 
it's up to Van Dijk and it's up to the, the doctors to see how fit he is going in towards April, May. If he comes back in May, plays a game for, for Liverpool, I'd definitely take him. I'd take him over mm-hmm. a St. Just, I'd take him over a Veltman. Um, so we just need to wait and see how he does. And these three games won't exactly be the biggest test either for centre-backs. Turkey's a tricky one, but I just don't see it being enough of a convincing check to see whether they're good enough to, to challenge at the Euros. Uh, there's there's a really exciting selection that was Ryan Havenberg being selected. Um, there was a question from The Void on Twitter, and he said, yeah, well, what do we think? Do we think he deserves a starting place going straight into that starting eleven? We've had turncoat miners around this squad for a long time and not because he hasn't even selected this time. So by that logic, Havenberg won't be anywhere near starting a game or getting any minutes in the pitch. But mm-hmm. Frank Reverse's selection choices might might prove otherwise, considering he's, he's placed for Ajax. Yeah. Gravenberg um, well, was in the last squad and he didn't make any minutes. So it's not guaranteed. And I think that I think he will make minutes. I think he'll come on against you know, Latvia or Gibraltar. He might start one of those games. He's not going to start against Turkey. Um, I think for that game, if De Bruyne has any sense, he'll go with Darun and De Jong in the, the middle because you need to protect that back four. For me, you know, I'd want to go attacking against Turkey, but that game's such a do-not-lose-at-all game. that I'd, I'd even take a draw on it right now um, going into next week. But I can't see him just throwing in Ravenberg for his international debut starting against yeah. Turkey. Yeah. I, I just can't see it. I think if you go with somebody... I think he's handled it, though, and I think he'd do very well if he was. Oh, yeah. He's a great player. I think he's been Ajax's player this season, apart from Tadic, maybe. Um, in the big games, Europe League games, Champions League games, you're always standing out. I think he'd be great next to Frankie De Jong. I think in the future, a midfield with Ravenberg and, and De Jong in it is the way to go. Um, just need to find out number 10. Going forward, I think this game will be by now them. Um, we'll see what happens with Van de Beek if he gets back into form. But yeah, for me, that you know, Ravenberg is going to be such an important player for Netherlands for years to come. And I want to see him next to Frankie Dion. I want to see that dynamic working and see how it how it does. Um, I think we'll see it in the later games, not so much in the Turkey one. I agree. I agree. There's a chance to play him in those games against Latvia and Gibraltar. They're not obviously the, the most difficult ones. And I'd hope that some of the players who will be going to the Euros get that chance, get some minutes. If Havenberg is serious about going to the Euros, then he needs to have his debut. He needs to play a full 90 in an Evelyn shirt. Um, there was a question about... There's something about Ryan Babel. I think it was someone called Alex just saying, Ryan Babel, discuss. <laughs> I think we'd rather not discuss Ryan Babel, to be totally honest. There's going to be one of his podcasts about yeah. There's going to be one of his podcasts about the Netherlands when we don't actually have to mention his name ever again. It's going to be oh. a great day. Um, it might be three, four years in the future at this point, but there's going to be a time where he's not even anywhere near the squad, and it's going to be great. Um, saying that, if Babo comes on and scores three or four goals, his goal scoring record for the Netherlands is better than what the Youngs is, so it's possible. But um, yeah, like his, his selection. This time's even more baffling than it was before. Um, we'll see what De Burgh says again. He's great in the dressing room, apparently. So that's more important than actually playing on the pitch, apparently. So, yeah. But one day we'll get there when Babo's not in the squad. And... True, try and put the... Had some questions from Hendrik about the formation that the Netherlands will be playing. I, I imagine it'll be a 4-3-3. I don't think the was going to start changing that now. 
especially when it's, he needs to go attacking in these in these kind of games. And there was not about Calvin Stengs and, and Noah Long because Long wasn't included, but Stengs was. Why is that? Is that isn't that a bit of a tricky one? I mean, if if Lang had been scoring those goals and assisting those goals in the Eredivisie, you'd think that he'd have been selected. Yeah, I think that for me, the under twenty one Euros being on at the same time is given to be an excuse to not pick some players. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's given him a way out, so he's like, "Oh well, he might not have played this week, so we thought it'd be better with him to be with the under twenty ones, which is." nonsense um, because the main squad should always be where the best players go not the under 21s um, so I would have picked Noah Lang but a few things gave De Boer an excuse the under 21 Euros Lang getting Corona recently um, that gave him an excuse as well and the fact that since he's come back from Corona he's had a couple of games where he's maybe not played that great I think today he got sent off as well um, so these all things will give De Boer ammunition to why he wasn't selected. He can come to his press conference tomorrow and go, look, he got sent off yesterday. That's why he's not being selected. There's still some some issues there. So, yeah, I would have had him in there because of his form, but I think De Boer has a way out on that one. One that gets me is Havenberg over Coat Miners. Has he genuinely been better than Coat Miners this season? I think you struggle to name a, a Dutch midfielder who has been better than Coat Miners this season. Um I know that because the two midfielders very close. They're obviously slightly yeah. different midfielders. Yeah, but you see what Kuminers does week in, week out for his head. The influence he has, what he does off the ball, um, his guidance to the players on the pitch. He's always moving. He's always shouting. He's always dictating play. Um, I know that some people don't rate Kuminers because of his lack of speed um, and his turn on the ball. But I would have him in the Netherlands squad every day of the week. Put him next to Frankie de Jong and just watch the two of them just ping balls around the pitch. That would be fantastic. Um, his ability on the ball is tenfold that of yeah, Darun or um, somebody like Tony Vilhena, who was named in the preliminary squad. Like Kumaris is on a different level to both of them yeah. on the ball. So I'd have him in there every time. But again, on 21 euros, giving him an excuse, which shouldn't be used because you can't pick up Kravenberg and not Kumaris and then say it's because he's under 21 euros. Because if under 21 years is that important. Ravenberg could be there as well. So, yeah. Um, I know that Kubiner's, I saw your tweet earlier, he wasn't too happy about his non selection. And it's fair enough because he is 23. Um, a 23 year old in the under 21s. It's probably not what he wants. And he's, he's good enough to be playing in the national team. So, you can understand why he's not happy about it. But, you know, he's just got to go to those under 21 euros and do as best as he can. And then sign for a big club that's not his head. And then he'll get picked every week. Yeah, it's bizarre because that will happen, won't it? He'll he'll play for a bigger club and he'll be selected even if he plays poorly. Burfine's a perfect example of that. Burfine hasn't been standing out at Spurs. I'm sure many of Spurs players haven't, but he gets selected so easily now. Whereas at PSV, to begin with, it was quite tricky for him to sort of force his way in. It's bizarre this way that it works. I know that they're training at a high level, but it doesn't mean that they're playing at a better level sometimes. There, we've been talking about the Euros quite a while for the under-21s. So I think we should have a little chat about that. There's three games coming up in the group stage. And then if the under-21s get past that, they'll play again in June uh, for the actual like knockout rounds of the competition. So there's games against Romania, Germany and Hungary. How do you rate the chances of the under-21s? We even had a question from somebody in, um, yeah, I think it was Abdul. He was saying that the quality in the 21s is arguably better than the senior side. 
I think he needs to be careful what he's saying there. It's not if he played them against each other. I think that the under twenty ones wouldn't win, but there's potential for the future there, isn't there? Oh yeah, the under twenty one squad is is fantastic. Um, all over the pitch, the strength. So I think that they go to that tournament. For me, is one of the favourites to win it. Um, for sure, it's easy for foreign press to highlight England and France because those squads playing the players are playing in the Premier League or in the mm. big top five leagues in Europe but most of the um, under 21 squad is playing in their divisions so might not get that much attention but this squad is is unbelievable um, all over the pitch compared to the under 21 squad that was last in the tournament had like the Stripman by Naldum um, and it, Depay was a part of that so these players went on to play for the, the full team I think it's the same with this squad I think they go into this tournament they should beat Romania, they should beat Hungary. Um, the game against Germany will be a tough one, but given the experience that the players have in the squad, I can see them doing very well. Um, then you go towards June with a, a chance of winning it. I mean, you only have to look at the players that weren't selected in the squad. Um, Joey Veerman, although there might be other reasons for that, because he seems to have turned down the invitation. you got Ai Hatterin, who's, who's out, um, which I don't agree with. I think he could have been in there over... Mikel camp is probably an average player for me. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's some, again, some baffling decisions by this time Van der Looy. Um So, yeah, but over the pitch, you've got Bottman in defence, Kumaners in midfield, Bode up front, three of them. And then you've got Brobby on the bench coming off. Yes, mm-hmm. a very good squad. Lang on the wing, Gakpo on the other wing. And you can bring on players like... Um, Justin Clive, I know he's not everyone's favourite, but you know to have that option, you know it's it's great in an under twenty one squad. And even at the back, you have got players like Pierre Rauda, who's just came into the squad, who's having a great season for Feyenoord. Malassia on the left, Bakker, who plays at PSG, all all fantastic talents. And then goal, you got Bio as well, a great young goalkeeper. So all over the squad, it's it's very strong, and I'm very excited to see them actually playing um, next week. Yeah, nice yeah, summary there of the best players in the squad as well. Uh, they're they're all going to be. In, in, in the thoughts of any future Netherlands manager, I didn't say Frank de Boer because I don't think he'll be there for too long <laughs> as boss. There's a few questions about players who are around the fringes of the squad. Uh, there was one about um, Pascal Strauch potentially coming into the squad at Leeds, Frimpong from Celtic. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, Frimpong, sorry, he's gone to Leverkusen now, hasn't he? I haven't seen him since he's left to go to Germany, but at Celtic, I thought not, not that exciting a player. Um, not better than Denzel Dumfries, for sure. And who else? Yeah, Joey Vian was another one as well. He's not been in the senior squad all the N21s. Is What's the reason behind that? Do you think that he genuinely turned it down, the, 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 the idea of playing for one of the two teams? He did before. So he did turn down the under-21s the last time he came around. Um, Van der was asked about it and said that no, Veerman had to explain it himself. He wasn't going to do it for him. And Veerman came out and said that for personal reasons, he didn't want to be part of the squad. There's something going on there that only Veerman knows and only Van Dooy knows, and it's between them. Um, I don't think he turned down the full squad. I don't think he's that level yet where he was going to get selected for the actual Netherlands squad. So I don't think he turned that down, but he's definitely turned down the under-21s before, and the, the rumours are that he's done that again. Um what our reason is, where we had a fallout with Van Dooy, he had a fallout with some of the players, he's got something going on um, off the pitch that when he's not playing for Heron he wants a little break. I 
don't know. But yeah, I think that he's a terrific player that, again, we're going to see him mentioned more towards the Netherlands squad when he gets a move. Um, if you play for Heronvane, you're not getting selected for a national team. Um, I don't want, which is a shame because the best players should get selected. But yeah, it doesn't work like that. You know, it works in other countries. You know, if you're playing well for, for Brighton, you can get selected for England. If you're playing well for, for Nice in France, you can get selected for France. If you're playing well for Ibar in Spain, you're getting selected for a national team now. But in the Netherlands, if you're playing for one of those ones that are not the top top four, you're not getting selected. Um, so the attitude towards the Eredivisie has to change a little. But until then, you know, Veerman's not getting selected until he gets that bigger move. I think that the attitude has changed a little already, though, with more players being selected from the Eredivisie just full stop, which is really good. I don't know if that was a signal of how poor the Eredivisie was, though, five, six, seven years ago. I'm just thinking back to those years where not a lot of the top players from the Eredivisie were selected, but now there seems to be a lot more of them, and particularly with RZ players being picked as well. That's that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a lot about the Netherlands. There was quite a few questions in, so I'm sorry if I didn't answer your questions, but there's a lot more things that have been going on in the world of Dutch football. And the the main thing that happened in terms of club football was Ajax reaching the Europa League quarterfinals where they'll be playing Roma. So that is that is massive. The fact that they've now seventh best in, in the UEFA coefficient ranking, that's brilliant. And there's a, a brilliant game to look forward to with Roma. We're not going to preview the game itself now, but there was a few questions in about that. Uh, and one was from Cam, one of our, one of our fans for a long time, Cam. And he says... Oh, yes. Thoughts on everyone's moving to seventh in the coefficient, if they'll be able to stay there. And of course, he wants the Ajax PSV final and Nazar to make those four European places this season so there's another chance of more points next season. How important is it to be seventh, Mike? Because it doesn't make a huge difference in terms of European places. There is the, the nice thing of uh, the cup winner going into the group stage Europa League again. And there's another one as well. Oh, yeah, so the, 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 the team that makes it through as the winner of the Eredivisie would be seeded for the Champions League, most likely, in future seasons too. Is it a good thing that, in the long term to be the seventh best league in Europe? Yeah. Um, I think the higher up you can go, the, the better. I think that the gap's now closing because of Ajax on the top six teams, uh, top six nations. I think that right now Portugal's way out in front. Um, it's going to be tough to to get to that but if you know the way Ajax are playing in Europe these days to me that there's nobody in this European competition that I'd say they should fear um, and they can go on to win it like there's no doubt in my mind that they can win this tournament until you get the favorites. Favorites. on paper you'd say my United are the favourites for me because of the squad that they've got and the players that they've got um, then you look at the other side of the draw and you've got got Arsenal there Um I think, for me, them two might come above Ajax in the favourites list. I think Ajax on the day can beat either of them. But for me, I'd say Ajax shouldn't fear them and can beat them. But if you're going to say who's the favourite for the tournament, I wouldn't say automatically Ajax. I think they can beat Roma, um, definitely, over the next two legs. And I think even the Italian press are a bit of the things that they've been saying. Um, I was, was what I was going to say. But yeah, for me... If the Netherlands are going to catch up with Portugal, you need to see PSV 
Feyenoord and AZ reaching a level where not even maybe not reaching a level Ajax are because that's such a high level, but close to that. Mm-hmm. Right now, you know, AZ could get knocked out by a team from Slovakia. That's where we're at right now. Same with Feyenoord. I've seen it before. With, they watched the trends in a couple of years ago. And PSV, Ajax and Feyenoord, when they come into European competition, something goes wrong and they start to lose their heads. Um, then you see it when Vitesse get in, when Utrecht get in, and when any smaller teams get in. Um, you know, we saw it one quick quick days, it? Yeah, they go out straight away. Um, as soon as they meet a decent, half-decent team, they can go out. Um, even not even half-decent teams, sometimes they get put out by, you know, even Scottish teams can sometimes knock them out, which is a disgrace. But... Um, yeah, until you get to that level where some of them are reaching the group stages and going to the knockout stages like AZ, PSV, Feyenoord, then it's not going to catch up with Portugal. But right now, Netherlands is probably better than the rest of the, the leagues in, in Europe. And it's another reason why a Benelica shouldn't happen because why should the Netherlands join up on Belgium when the Netherlands league is doing so much better than them? Um, I can see it from their point of view because Club Bruges right now are way out in front of their league. It's a one-horse race and... They're not doing very well in Europe. So, of course, they see um, combining with the Netherlands as a way to improve them going forward. TV right money for probably the Belgian league isn't probably that great. Um, so, I can see it from their point of view. But right now, the Dutch league is improving. Um, it's getting better, mainly because of Ajax. But that will then filter down to the rest of the, the clubs as well, eventually. So, yeah, the way it's going right now, being seventh best league in the world is great. And I can only see it getting better if those clubs below Ajax can start performing and just making smarter decisions um, for me. That's how they're going to compete with the next lot, which is Portugal and France, above them in the rankings. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that it's necessary for the Netherlands to, to start climbing even higher and higher in the league rankings. But seventh, sixth, it's brilliant. That's amazing. And, and why not just stick around there for a little while? In terms of the, the game itself, Roma are going to be, I, I think, a tough opposition. They're not top of Syria. They're, they're a little further down, but they're a team that have some some very good players. And there's a question from Dai, uh, Daidu. Um, he says that there's a tough quarterfinal coming up, and especially if Roma get their injured players back in the squad. They're also the last Italian team in European competitions. So they might want to put their heart into it. Nevins have Ajax their last team, so I guess it's the same argument. But what what I what are you thinking at the moment? Mike? Over two legs, you seem very confident. Yeah, it might just be because I've not seen that much of Roma um, over the season. I know they've got some good players, and um, Rick Carstorp obviously plays for them, and we can week out. But just the way that Ajax are playing right now, the way they absolutely dismantling teams, you know. Some people are going into that game against Young Boys saying that our oh, Young Boys are a tough team. They never showed it against Ajax because Ajax never let them because Ajax played them off the pitch from minute one to 90 of that first leg. And then yeah. that win was the tie was over. Um, second leg was a bit more more ropey, um, but Ajax still got the win. Um, and that's been the case for Ajax pretty much all this year. They, they just win, win, win. And that's all they're doing, um, except for two games against PSV, which were drawn. Um, so, yeah, just for me, the way they're playing, the way they're attacking, the options they have um, over the pitch and on the bench, um, I just can't see them not doing well against Roma. Um, but maybe that's just because I don't know Roma that much. Um, 
and I'm underestimating them, but yeah, I don't see how I actually fear them. I think that it can beat anyone on this form. If they can go toe-to-toe with Atalanta, um, who are a better side than Roma, then I, I don't see why they can't go for it. We'll have to get an expert yeah, on Roma to a podcast in the future and see see what they say about Roma. Now, the the there's a few questions coming in live on YouTube whilst we were doing this. One of them was from Red Rum saying, "What's the news about Masrari recovering and could he play against Roma? Uh, is it necessary with with Tim playing quite well and and Wrench coming in and, and doing all right too? Two two very good young players. We've got Sean Clyver as well with backup, but not the best. Masrari's the best option." Do you think he could recover in time? I think it's possible. Um, I've seen it's a couple of weeks. Got a couple of weeks to to recover. I think it'll be close. But as you say, if he doesn't make it, Jury and Timber could play out there, and I'd have no problems with that. Timber's been absolutely fantastic since he moved into Bags Eleven. Then you got Wrench, who may have had a tricky game against Young Boys the other day, but I think he's a fantastic talent, um, and he'll be the Ajax right back going forward after Mizrawi leaves. But the thing about Mizrawi is. He always seems to, to appear in the big games, um, big European games. He seems to excel. So these are the ones that you'd want him in because um, he seems to have that extra edge. But if he's there, he's not. And Ajax have the options. As I said, Ajax have so many options all over the pitch that one player drops out, they've got somebody else that can come in um, and do a job. So I don't see it as being beyond and end on if Mizrawi doesn't eventually make it. Sure. There's more questions about the Netherlands that I can answer towards the end of the podcast. One, one big oh, here's just one that came in right this second actually about about the Ajax game before we move on. Uh, looks like yeah, that the Rome might not have a chance because Italian clubs in general haven't performed well over the last few years. Yeah, could hand, stand them in good stead, Frank. Um, so one more bit of Eredivisie news was was Aza beating PSV there this weekend. Another big one for PSV to lose. That's 16 toppers in a row that they've not won. Whereas ours are the other way around and they've gone from not winning a topper under um, John Van der to now actually doing pretty well in these games, but they're doing less well against the mid-table teams. Um, really nice to see some some Dutch international players on the pitch in the RZ PSV. And the ones that stood out were the ones that played for RZ. We all touched one turn coat miners today, but he was one of the standout players. He had one brief lapse in concentration where he got the ball away. But apart from that, pretty good again. Boadu, pretty good again. Um, and Calvin Stengs was having one of his better games again. I still stand on my point about Stengs that I think that he he does get lazy in games and I do think he doesn't do it defensively. I still think that he's quite inconsistent, that he plays well some games and then not well on some others. But he played well today and made sure that he was selected for the Netherlands um, with, with justified reasons. What were your thoughts on the game, Mike? And what do you think about RZ and PSV coming towards the end of the season? I think AZ, in midweek, Findal said that they've got the second best squad in their division and they're going to finish second. And I agree with him. I think that mm, all, the momentum, um, all the momentum right now is with AZ um, going forward. I think that over... The pitch up front, they've got goals. Carlson did really well today. His goal was, was good. Um, and then set up good miners as well. So he got a goal and assist. You had Vindal playing well left back. Um, Hazidiakos being out for the season, that's a ball. But then you got Lecher um, coming in today and he did very well. You got Bezos in goals. Stood out today. Probably a reaction to 
not getting picked for the Netherlands squad. He had a good game. Um, so yeah, I think, and then Frederick Mitso is just the most one of the most underrated players in the Eredivisie. You never yeah. hear him getting talked about, but he, once again today, he's just he does the jobs everyone else hates, and he's always there and he's he's always playing well. And having Danny Devitt as well back um, as an option off the bench is is great. I think he'll eventually take his place back from good Manson in there. But you know, if AZ are winning, why change it just now? Um, so I think going forward, I know they've got to play Ajax um, coming up, but if you're going to tell me right now who's going to finish second, I'd go AZ. I think PSV drop points several times more this season. Um, again, I I just can't get my head around Roger Schmidt. I'd, for some of you, I can't. I, I just do not agree with any decisions he's making. He doesn't change things. Um, he sticks. He doesn't seem to have a plan B. He has his favourite players to play week in, week out, even if they're not playing well. He doesn't take any of them off. He doesn't make silly substitutions. He's, in some games, he doesn't make enough substitutions. Like today, um, going into the second half, Cody Gakpo came off. And if I, if I was PSV, and I was thinking, right, Gakpo's coming off. I've got a bench. It's got Madueke and I had to run on it. One of them two would come on. I picked Tessin. And I need somebody to explain to me why Tessin's getting games because I've not seen anything from him. He tries his damn hardest, but he's got no quality. Yeah, from what I've seen, he's not scored a goal yet. Um, I know he had that one disallowed. Um, I think it was against Ajax. But he's not scored a goal yet. He's not assisted anything yet. Um, he might run around. You know, Ryan Thomas runs around and everyone seems to think that Ryan Thomas is great. Whenever I slag him off on, on Twitter, I get a lot of hate from PSV fans saying he, he's putting in a lot of effort. I mean, that's great. I can run around the pitch all day if, if you want me to, but you know, it's not about that. It's about winning games and PSV aren't doing it. Um, then you look at the bench and, you know, Madwake is staying in there. I had to staying on there to wait in the game. This doesn't make sense to me. You know, Madwake is one of the best young players in their division. Why is he not coming on earlier? Um, and it's the same again, week in, week out. you got two defensive midfielders in the field, neither of them protecting the defence, neither of them doing anything, but they still play. Why? Who knows? You know, it just doesn't change anything. It doesn't work. Um, it's a hard, bad game two weeks in a row. Who cares? He doesn't come off. He'll play next week. It's just week in, week out. Bad decision from, from Schmidt. And I can't see it getting any better. I think that Schmidt's going to be one of his managers. Right now, it's going downwards. It's just going to keep going downwards until PSG go, right, that's enough. That's it. You're gone. I can't see it come to the summer where he then goes, right, I'm bringing in all these players and suddenly it's going to go great and it's going to, they're going to challenge Ajax. I can't see it. I can see that there's going to be rumblings. Players are going to leave. Ihatran's going to leave. I know there's a comment in the, um, the comments about him being maybe a bit childish if, if he's what he said to um, Abuqalau is true. Then obviously... There's probably question marks about Hadron's attitude at the moment, but um, these are the players that if you're PSV and you want to challenge Ajax, you need to sell your best players for the most money to then replace players. Hadron's are potentially a 40, 50 million pound player. Mm. If Schmidt comes in, doesn't see him in training, then just drops him, and then he leaves him for a tiny amount in the summer to go to Ajax, that's a problem. Um, but Schmidt just seems to have free reign in Eindhoven right now with nobody challenging him, and then I can only see it end in one way, and it's going to be him getting sacked and PSV aren't going to prosper because right now they're not making Champions League. I can see your arguments, Mike. I still think that 
they they were so good defensively around Christmas time. We were praising them. We had their their defenders in our in our team of the half season, but then at, attacking wise, it seemed like it wasn't clicking. Very good players are injured, to be fair. And now it's the other way around, where they seem to create loads of opportunities but don't finish them. I think I can't I can't always be critical of teams if they're creating lots of chances because at least they're making them, and it's just sometimes down to luck they can't score them. Um, but you've you've got all the players back fit. They're going to be they're going to be scoring goals. But defensively, today they lost two 0 because of, of of mistakes because of um, again Arsenal being allowed to create too many opportunities of themselves. So there wasn't enough uh, in the midfield to stop that. Rosario made a couple of really good interceptions today. To be fair to him, but he's usually one of the weaker links in the side. Um, didn't see Sangare do too much today, and the back four was missing Boscagli. <sighs> So it's, it, it's, it's little things in the tactics, I think, that are costing PSV at the moment. And whose fault is that? It's Roger Schmitz. Like you said, I don't, think it, I don't see it going any better in the summer. I think if they get some players in, it will be a very expensive summer for PSV for them to just sack Schmidt anyway in, in October or November when they're fourth place or fifth place. That, that's what I can see happening at the moment. I can't see much different from that happening. Um, shall, I, shall I get some questions about Netherlands up, Mike, so we don't have to talk about Roger Schmidt? <laughs> <laughs> he's had an interesting season, hasn't he? he? He's he's just um always in the steps of Bass Nyhouse was particularly interesting because Nyhouse was making some strange refereeing decisions, but Schmidt wasn't covering himself in much glory. He, he sounds to me like someone who is in denial and um thinks he's right, but probably isn't. Yeah, um, I think we've got parallels right now between a Roger Schmidt and a certain national team coach that everyone doesn't seem to to like as well. Mm. But for me, the the problem is you got sections of PSV fans that agree with everything Schmidt does. You've got sections of PSV fans that don't. Um, so it's weird. Like Him coming in in the summer, I thought, wow, this is going to be great. We've got like a coach coming in that's outside the box. We saw what he did with, in Austria and how he dismantled Ajax with, with Salzburg and thought, right, this guy's coming into Eredivisie. It's going to be great for Eredivisie. But it's not. Um, so it's just for me that it seems to be everything is an excuse it's not him that's doing anything wrong. It's, it's stuff all around him that's gone wrong. He, he just wants an excuse. I had trends an excuse. Referees are an excuse. VAR is an excuse. It's not anything to do with his tactics. His tactics are great. 4 is a revolution. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. That's just not for me. Um, and PSV could be doing much more better with a 4-3-3 formation, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's much more that can be taken out of this team. Even more at Daniel Marlin, who scored lots of goals this season, but I feel like he could still be doing more, still be doing better. Because but, him and Zahavi get in each other's way as well. Uh, two of them, when Zahavi has a good game, Malin doesn't have a good game. When Malin has a good game, Zahavi doesn't have a good game. There's it's near, no other way. No. Let's bring up some stuff from YouTube then. Thanks to everyone that sent in a question on Twitter. And sorry if we didn't get through to them. Uh, but there's a couple about selection again. We've talked about who's going to be selected in the 11. And we've talked about as well why certain players are selected, but others aren't. And it, that is just not what we can answer. We just think that it's Frank Lebeau's poor choices and we'll always have an excuse if um, he selects certain players. And here's one about if the Netherlands don't beat Turkey, then De Boer must be out. And it, it's just not going to happen, though, is it? As much as some fans might want that. We, we knew that something like this might, might happen. We've got to give Frank Lebeau a bit of time. If, if there's not three wins out of three out, out of these games, then yes, we can definitely raise questions. Um, but he's not going anywhere. And and I, think, three yeah, games. I think people forget that the results coming into this 
in actual play, they've actually been pretty good. So you could actually give De Boer some slack on some of the results that he's had so far. But it's just team selection that's the, the weird thing. So, I mean, we're all sitting here saying, criticising them, but if they win three games out of three, then he's been proved right. So it's well, that's what for, yeah. yeah, so could work that way. But then Abdul was saying, if, if it can he be sacked if they lose against you lose points against Turkey and Latvia. No, I, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, he's got to be in charge of the Euros regardless of anything. Um, if they have a really bad Euros, go out in the, maybe the first knockout round or even the group stage, then yeah, I think that there's that evaluation point that they've agreed after the Euros that he could then go. But he's got to be in charge of the Euros regardless of what happens in the next three games. And there's a question, sorry, it's a comment from someone from Turkey. Wishing good luck. And both teams qualified to the World Cup. Thanks, Alex. And best luck to you in the Euros, unless you meet the Netherlands, in which case we wish that you lose. There's a question from Barry Premi about Hitara and commenting under Abbott Lau's photo, which has captured an international break with Morocco. And and I, is it is it true that ah, so he put S dot 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 and two love hearts, but then changed it to two love hearts straight after. And he also had a second comment afterwards saying that could it have been that the S stood for soon? Hmm. I don't know. They both speak Dutch. Imagine it was something that begins with an S in Dutch, you'd think. Um, but the post was in English. Maybe maybe it was soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he certainly wants to get involved with the Moroccan discussion. And with the way he's feeling at the minute, you can't blame him, can you? That he's been forced out to it to this. But then he hasn't... He hasn't shown his form with PSV whether whether he he's been able to or not. Even if he's given ten minutes, he doesn't show a lot, does he, for PSV? So, is he the world class talent we all thought he was last season? I thought he was amazing, but maybe but, his development's been hindered by Schmidt. Yeah, I think that there's an argument that Schmidt coming in, there's been problems there, and that it's affected Ayatran. Um And then if you went to Ajax. Would we see a different Ihatra next season playing in like a formation that he knows well? Um, then yet he could be a great player if Ajax then gets sold 40, 50 million and becomes the player that we all thought it was going to be. But this is the thing that frustrates me the most about the KNVB. They don't see things like this coming, they don't care about things like this, they don't um, react quick enough. That's why we lost CX, it's why they lose players left, right, and center because they do. The KNVB are quite. Well, I could bear word stubborn um, mm. with stuff like this, um, and they don't act on it. So I had to, and we had the chance to cap him um, a few international periods ago, and he sat on the bench for a few games. And one ones that were easily winnable, he just needed to come on in the 90th minute. It'd have been fine. He would have made his debut, um, but it didn't happen. And now we're in this situation. I think that it's something went wrong. We're leaving them out of the under-21 squad. I think that that was a stupid decision. I think that Fran de Boer could have went to Van Dooley and said, look, we're not going to pick Ihatrin for this international period, but he's a really important player for our future. So can you please put him into your under-21 squad? If you do that, we'll give you Coop Miners, we'll give you Botman, we won't select them. They can come with you. Um, then he could have left at Callan Camp and then had Ihatrin in there, showing a bit of confidence from the KMVB that look, we know we're not ready for the main squad right now but there's under 21s go there do great bring your confidence back to PSV show the player that you are to Roger Schmidt in a 4-3-3 formation do your best and then 
everything could have been great. But weaving them out the under 21s is a, is a signal to them that, right, you might get left out of the, the future main squads as well. Um, and then Morocco will be on the phone to them, trying to like tempt them constantly. Um, some of their players might be friends with them and they might be trying to tempt them as well. So all just extra temptation for them. I think that Ihatran's probably a player that will feel feel slighted by this and he might be a bit angry right now um, that he got left out the under-21 squad and then that might be sort of thing to push him towards Morocco. I think something similar happened to Ziyech. The fact that he wasn't selected for Netherlands might have ended up pushing him towards Morocco. If that happens, then yeah, it's, it's another case of the KVB being stupid. Um, Ziyech was in his 20s though, wasn't he? He was 23-ish and he was playing exceptionally well and was just could not have done any more to get into the squad uh, and get onto the pitch. And, and in her time, I don't think he's really had that opportunity yet to, to, to show himself. He had last season, which is amazing, and he should have been capped. I agree with you. It's a, it's it was the Dutch Dutch FA that should have definitely have made that happen, and it and it should have been done. But I wonder what the response will be when he when he just tried to go opposite. It does sound like that he he's thinking about the switch to Morocco. And there was a couple of comments here about 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 him a bit further, just saying that he, he's right to bench at the start of the season. Um, but but maybe not so now. Now that he's had his chance to 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 show remorse, maybe he's not going to select by by Aranya because he he he. They have contact with Schmidt, and Schmidt has literally told them what kind of things he's been doing, what he's been up to, and maybe it's been trying to be hidden from the media because it's how bad it is of what he's whatever he's doing. Um, but he's a professional footballer. You think that he wouldn't be doing something that crazy when he's a teenager, especially mm. if he's had such a great development already that he he would be doing things like this. Um, but it was kind of leaked in the press what he was up to, um, and to me, it just it didn't seem that bad. Um, you know, the things like when PSV got knocked out the Europe League, you know, he, he congratulated some Ajax players. I mean, the friends from the, the Netherlands youth teams. I mean, it doesn't sound that bad. And um, when he was left out the game against Olympiacos, I think he made some comments towards some of his teammates um, and didn't support them in the right way. Mm. But they lost that game. I mean. Th- why would he support him? And then some of the players probably played terrible. And then if he's not getting picked, then he, he might maybe wonder why he's not getting picked over somebody like Ryan Thomas or, uh, or Vitesson, who then helped PSV get knocked out. So, I mean, you've got to have an edge to be a, a top footballer. Maybe Ihatran has that edge. Um, Schmidt doesn't like it. I don't know. It's just something that we're never maybe not going to know. Um, it'd be interesting if during this international period, if somebody can get an interview with Ihatran, um PSV will probably block that from happening. But it'd be interesting to hear what he's got to say on all this because we've not actually heard from, from him recently. Um, so, yeah, I think if he got asked why he was left out um, or banished from the PSV squad for a game, see what he says about that and then see what he says about getting left out of the under-21s, if that's affected him in any way, then we might know. But until that happens, it's just all speculation at this point. And maybe that's just that comment under Abuklao's Instagram. Maybe that's just... A mistake, but you know it does look like he was meant to be saying soon, and you know, that's just maybe a bit of petulance from him. Um, but you know, next international period comes if Netherlands select him, then that could be the end of story. But the next international selection is the European Championship, so whether that's actually going to happen is uh, we'll see. Same goes for any player that wants to try and get into that squad too. That the chance to get into that squad, the gate is now closed. 
You're not going to see like Turncoat when he's getting in there now because that was his chance now to get into that squad. I mean, he has been selected before and made minutes, and yet, yet he hasn't been put into the squad this time. The players like him are missing. And I, I, do you do you look at the squad though and think there's not enough quality there, or do you think that this this team can still challenge for the Euros? We, as a last question, I guess for this podcast, quite a big one. Can they get to the last four? Can they win the Euros with a squad like this? I think if I'd asked you a year ago, you would have said that the squad that was there then absolutely would have done it. You yeah. didn't have Memphis, though, did it? I think. For me, it's hard because there's quality there. You know, Frankie De Jong's one of the best midfielders in the world. You got Wijnaldum mm-hmm. ahead of him, who always plays out of skin in everyone's shirt at number 10. You got Memphis, who can score the goals. Um, at the back, you've got Delict. Hopefully, you've got Van Dyke. But if you don't have Van Dyke, you've got Defry. That's strong. In goal, you've got Sillison, who's he's a good goalkeeper. Safe pair of hands. You've got Stekelenberg, who, you know, I called it when he came in. Um, he could be making the the Netherlands squad if he played well for Ajax and he has been playing well for Ajax so you've got three good goalkeepers there the wing backs are decent you know you've got Vindal there he's good but then you've got Blind, who's a good ball playing left back maybe a bit slow yeah. that would be my worry against the top nations you've got Dumfries on the right again a bit of a worry against the top nations you probably get get you could probably get at him um, if you're killing Mbappe you can get at his Netherlands defence regardless of whoever who's in it um, but a big worry for me is who plays up front alongside Memphis because Babo's not good enough for the Euros. Luke De Jong at this moment is not good enough for the Euros. Um, then you got Stengs, Bergvine, Berghaus. Bergvine's not playing full stop, but he's still going to get selected. Van der Beek's not playing full stop, but he's still going to get selected. These are the positions that worry me because going into a tournament, you need forwards that are confident, scoring, playing well, and everyone's don't have that at the moment. Um, you got Quincy Promise, who has just recently dropped um, after being horrible all season for, for Ajax. And then he goes and scores a couple of goals for a sport attack. I'm glad he wasn't back in. But the way for me is, is definitely a front line. I just don't see enough quality there to actually hurt the top nations defensively. Um, and I think that he came up against the France, the Germany, possibly even in England at the moment. I know Netherlands beat England a couple of years ago. Um, and I think they could beat England again, but... It's the Frances and Germany's, the Belgiums. I just don't see this Netherlands side beating them. Um, I don't think you win European Championships if your striker option off the bench is Luke Young, um, and you continuously pick Ryan Babel. You just don't win tournaments. And then I agree with you. I think that this squad that we've seen, apart from maybe the injured players coming back, is what we're going to see at the Euros now. I don't think he's going to make any major surprises um, going forward. So, yeah, I think that this team's good enough for maybe quarterfinals at the best, I think, now. Whereas I was quite confident, say, a couple of years ago. Well, what could be, be significant is the team spirit. If you see something similar to 2010, where the, the, they didn't have the best players in, in, in the world, they still made an exceptional run because of the team spirit. And uh, I'll always think back to, this wasn't 2010, was it? This would be the 2014 um, World Cup, which again was another great run. But, you know, like Dirk Howe playing like left wing back, whatever it was, <laughs> that kind of team spirit, it doesn't matter who's playing where, they're just going to give it their all. And then you could see a run happen in the Euros. And of course, football is always about luck. So there's also that factor too. Um, and Evelyn's need all of these things to align for anything to happen in any case. 
Yeah. But the I key concern is that they can't beat a Belgium or an England. Yeah. I think in the Netherlands in 2010 also had options off the bench. You could bring Hunter on. You could bring a young Memphis Depay on who scored against yeah. Australia and yeah. was doing well against in games. Um, this Netherlands squad lacks that spark off the bench for me. There's not anyone on there that'd be like, right, this guy can come on and change the game. Um, you bring Bergas on, you got to get more of the same, not not much pace. That's what mm. I think is what's missing. You need somebody that's coming on, gets at defenders, takes the ball, runs at people, does something a bit different. Somebody like Noah Lang is that, but he's probably not going to get selected now. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm thinking right now. I think quarterfinals are the most, mainly yeah. because it's an easy group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The final things, and people are just saying that Copenhagen should be a starter, at least on the bench. I agree with you, Dave. And he also wishes that Iron Robin was fit. And last thing as well about all things get favoured because of the whole relationship he's got with Frank Lebeau's family. Um, you never know. You never know. We did say at the start, didn't we, this could happen. You never know, but Stengs... He's a good player. Let's like leave it at that. When he plays for for Netherlands, he does do well. Um, and when he's on fire for AZ, he's a great player. Um, he just needs to be more consistent. He's not getting that. He's not Ryan Babel getting into that squad. You know, him getting in is more confusing of where Calvin Stengs. Stengs can change again um, if he's in the right mind frame. So, I agree with Stengs getting in the squad. Um, I don't think it's just because he's dating Frank de Boer's daughter. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, well, thanks, Jeremy, for this. And I think that uh, I'm going to tie you down live on on, on there. We're going to have to do a few more of these kind of little things as the games come up. Maybe some um, some some match reviews once once we're done. Some post match reactions. Those three games coming up will be good to do for the Netherlands. Um, and if you missed the start of the podcast, I did advertise our football on your wristbands. It does help support what we do at footballania.com. We can afford new things with, with things like this if you're able to buy one of these. Don't worry if you can't, of course. But there's links either pinned to our Twitter page or onto the YouTube description. So do get yourself one of these wristbands ready for the Euros, the Euro 2020 wristband with the Netherlands and our QR code to get onto our website. So that's how you can support what we do at Footballania. Links are available to go and get one. Thank you to those that have just recently bought some in the past few weeks too. Um, getting ready for the Euros with your with your own wristband. Right, so if if you miss this podcast, you can always catch it on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. They're still available on there. And many more things come from us on the website and also in terms of post-match reactions too. Thanks everyone for watching and more from us soon. See ya. Thank you.